Section 98 of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter 129. London, August 28th, Old Style, 1751. My dear friend, a bill for ninety pounds sterling was brought me the other day, said to be drawn upon me by you. I scrupled paying it at first, not upon account of the sum, but because you had sent me no letter of advice, which is always done in those transactions, and still more, because I did not perceive that you had signed it. The person who presented it desired me to look again, and that I should discover your name at the bottom. Accordingly I looked again, and with the help of my magnifying glass, did perceive that what I had first taken only for somebody's mark, was in truth your name, written in the worst and smallest hand I ever saw in my life. However, I paid it at a venture, though I would almost rather lose the money, than that such a signature should be yours. All gentlemen, and all men of business, write their names always in the same way, that their signatures may be so well known as not to be easily counterfeited, and they generally sign in rather larger character than their common hand, whereas your name was in a less and a worse than your common writing. This suggested to me the various accidents which may very probably happen to you, while you write so ill. For instance, if you were to write in such a character to the secretary's office, your letter would immediately be sent to the decipherer, as containing matters of the utmost secrecy, not fit to be trusted to the common character. If you were to write so to an antiquarian, he, knowing you to be a man of learning, would certainly try it by the runic, Celtic, or Slavonian alphabet, never suspecting it to be a modern character. And if you were to send a poulet to a fine woman in such a hand, she would think that it really came from the poulailler, which, by the by, is the etymology of the word poulet, for Henry the Fourth of France used to send billets doux to his mistresses by his poulailler, under pretense of sending them chickens, which gave the name of poulet to those short but expressive manuscripts. I have often told you that every man who has the use of his eyes and of his hand can write whatever hand he pleases, and it is plain that you can, since you write both the Greek and German characters, which you never learned of a writing-master, extremely well, though your common hand, which you learned of a master, is an exceedingly bad and illiberal one, equally unfit for business or common use. I do not desire that you should write the laboured, stiff character of a writing-master. A man of business must write quick and well, and that depends simply upon use. I would therefore advise you to get some very good writing-master at Paris, and apply to it for a month only, which will be sufficient, for upon my word the writing of a genteel, plain hand of business is of much more importance than you think. You will say, it may be, that when you write so very ill it is because you are in a hurry, to which I answer, why are you ever in a hurry? A man of sense may be in haste, but can never be in a hurry, because he knows that whatever he does in a hurry, he must necessarily do very ill. He may be in haste to dispatch an affair, but he will care not to let that haste hinder his doing it well. Little minds are in a hurry, when the object proves, as it commonly does, too big for them. They run, they hare, they puzzle, confound, and perplex themselves. They want to do everything at once, and never do it at all. But a man of sense takes the time necessary for doing the thing he is about well, and his haste to dispatch a business only appears by the continuity of his application to it. He pursues it with a cool steadiness, and finishes it before he begins any other. I own your time is much taken up, 
and you have a great many different things to do. But remember that you had much better do half of them well and leave the other half undone, than do them all indifferently. Moreover, the few seconds that are saved in the course of the day, by writing ill instead of well, do not amount to an object of time by any means equivalent to the disgrace or ridicule of writing the scrawl of a common whore. Consider that if your very bad writing could furnish me with a matter of ridicule, what will it not do to others who do not view you in that partial light that I do? There was a pope, I think it was Cardinal Chigi, who was justly ridiculed for his attention to little things, and his inability in great ones, and therefore called Maximus in Minimus and Minimus in Maximus. Why? Because he attended to little things when he had great ones to do. At this particular period of your life, and at the place you are now in, you have only little things to do, and you should make it habitual to you to do them well, that they may require no attention from you when you have, as I hope you will have, greater things to mind. Make a good handwriting familiar to you now, that you may hereafter have nothing but your matter to think of, when you have occasion to write to kings and ministers. Dance, dress, present yourself habitually well now, that you may have none of those little things to think of hereafter, and which will all be necessary to be done well occasionally, when you will have far greater things to do. As I am eternally thinking of everything that can be relative to you, one thing has occurred to me which I think necessary to mention to you, in order to prevent the difficulties which it might otherwise lay you under. It is this. As you get more acquaintances at Paris, it will be impossible for you to frequent your first acquaintances so much as you did, while you had no others. As, for example, at your first debut, I suppose you were chiefly at Madame Monconcile's, Lady Hervey's, and Madame du Bocage's. Now that you have got so many other houses, you cannot be at theirs so often as you used, but pray take care not to give them the least reason to think that you neglect or despise them, for the sake of new and more dignified and shining acquaintances, which would be ungrateful and imprudent on your part, and never forgiven on theirs. Call upon them often, though you do not stay with them so long as formerly. Tell them that you are sorry you are obliged to go away, but that you have such and such engagements, with which good breeding obliges you to comply, and insinuate that you would rather stay with them. In short, take care to make as many personal friends and as few personal enemies as possible. I do not mean, by personal friends, intimate and confidential friends, of which no man can hope to have above half a dozen in the whole course of his life, but I mean friends in the common acceptation of the word, that is, people who speak well of you and who would rather do you good than harm consistently with their own interest and no further. Upon the whole, I recommend to you again and again les grâces. Adorned by them, you may in a manner do what you please. It will be approved of. Without them, your best qualities will lose half their efficacy. Endeavor to be fashionable among the French, which will soon make you fashionable here. Monsieur de Matignon already calls you le petit François. If you can get that name generally at Paris, it will put you à la mode. Adieu, my dear child. End of section ninety eight. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.